All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, my name is Anthony Heller, and on the Deer Vein Podcast, we hunt hard and we hunt smart. Today, I got Dylan Dawson with Onyx with me today, and he's got Onyx, and he's got all the insight to Onyx, but we're going to talk about that a little bit because I am a huge fan of Onyx, but the main thing we're going to talk about today is a Montana whitetail hunt that he recently went on, and he was able to be successful with a really nice buck on day one and it's for me like sitting in a tree stand is awesome and i really enjoy it but sometimes i like to kind of still hunt i like to walk around i like to get up and move and it seems like a a whitetail hunt out west is really conducive for that style of hunt so um that's what we're going to talk about today and without further ado just dylan give me uh say hi and uh (laughs) tell me a little bit about like your hunting history and, and your background Awesome. Yeah, no, uh, first and foremost, appreciate the opportunity to jump on the podcast and chat a little bit. Um, cool. Yeah, you know, my name is Dylan, as you said there, and I've worked at Onyx for a little over four years. I think I'm creeping up on about four and a half years or so. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, you know, a little bit of time here at Onyx. And uh, I was born and raised in Montana, but in eastern Montana, um, Onyx is in the western side of the state, in Missoula, in Bozeman, and I'm currently in Missoula. Um, but yeah, worked worked at Onyx like I said four years. It's it's been an awesome awesome four years with the company, and uh, you know I grew up hunting and fishing. My dad introduced me to hunting when I think I was four or five. I was tagging along with him, and um, you know just just kind of got hooked and and really haven't looked back since. Awesome. For, so real quick, um, I guess we can dive into it a little bit more, but for anybody, I feel like anybody who is on Instagram or Facebook or anything knows what OnX is, but for people who don't know, um, you know, can you, can you lay that out for them? Yeah, yeah, essentially OnX, um, you know, we started out with uh, a chip that plugged into a Garmin handheld GPS device, and essentially what it did is it solved the problem of you know, where am I, where are the property boundaries, what's public, what's private. Um, And really that evolved into our phone application, which is our product today. Um, Essentially, it's it's an app you download to your phone that turns your smartphone or tablet into a handheld GPS device. So, you know, there's no need anymore to go out and spend five, six hundred dollars on a device, you know, buy a chip, um, have to update it every year, et cetera. Now you just uh, go to the App Store, search for Onyx Hunt, get that downloaded on your phone or tablet. Um, and what a lot of people don't realize is your phone has uh, an internal uh, GPS, and so it'll still show your location, you know, when you're out of cell service any anywhere you go. And, uh, you know, one of the things with the app that you can do is download the areas you're headed to before you get out there for if you don't have cell service, and it works just fine offline. So... Um, but yeah, in, in a nutshell, you know, it shows you where all the, the private land is, who owns that private property, you know, where all the borders are, um, all the public land, whether it's state, you know, BLM, forest, et cetera, all the different hunting units, um, you name it. I mean, the list is endless. And then you can go in and mark waypoints, you can track yourself, you know, you can look up weather, you can uh, do all sorts of different things. Um, but yeah, kind of in a nutshell, it turns your phone or, or tablet into a handheld GPS device. Yeah. All right. So obviously I knew all of that already, but uh, the reason I started using Onyx for anybody listening was because the places I hunt don't get cell service. 
Like, I'm down in valleys, I'm down in ridges, and mm-hmm. if I'm hunting, like, public ground and I'm down in a valley and I know I'm close to the border but I don't know where it is, I wanted that capability to go, all right, I'm on public or I'm on private. Because a lot of times, like, in western Wisconsin at least, and the more rural parts of the state, there's not always a fence. So you don't know, you know, sometimes I've just stumbled into other people's tree stands, and then at that point I'm like, okay, well, it's illegal to have tree stands on public land, but did I just cross into private? You know, I don't know. So then I end up backing out of there because I I just don't want to get yelled at by a landowner, and I don't want to trespass and break rules and stuff like that. So that's the main reason I switched. But one of the other fun things that I do is uh, I do exercise and I enjoy running every now and then. It's an awful, I think it's a great exercise, but I hate doing it. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the tracking <laughs> portion of Onyx, right? the tracking portion of Onyx is awesome for that. So I actually will use that all the time to track my runs, and it's really nice because yeah. it gives you time and distance and tells you where you're going. And you know, if you're in. So I travel a lot for work, and if I'm in a new city or something like that, I can actually just turn on Onyx, track where I'm going, and I always know where I am, which is nice, so I don't get lost. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, there's there's so many applications, like you said there. I always use that one if I'm just out hiking, you know, preparing for the season, um, you know, sharing waypoints with buddies for meetup locations and uh, so on and so forth. But that, that uh, you know, topic you just brought up there, we'll get into on my hunt, I'm sure, but... Um, as you said, you know, out here in Montana, there's a lot of boundaries that aren't fenced, and even public to private boundaries. Um, and that buck, you know, that I harvested this year happened to be basically right on one of those boundaries. So without the app, um, you know, kind of foreshadow, but without the app, there's 0% chance I would have taken that shot. Um, so, you know, it just kind of gives you the confidence to be able to go out and, and do things and, you know, explore new areas um, with confidence there. Yeah, yeah, I I believe it. Like, the last thing you want to do is shoot a buck and then have it taken away because you shot on private <laughs> accidentally. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, that'd, yeah, that'd be awful. All right, so that's, that's generally Onyx in a nutshell. You got any questions about that, you can hit me up. You can hit Dylan up. Onyx, like, your customer service and customer support is awesome. Uh, what is your, what's your, like, do you spend the most amount of time on Instagram or Facebook? Um, you know, I'd say we're on Instagram a little bit more. Um, it just seems like okay. that's kind of where we're spending a little bit more of our time, but on X Hunt on either of those, you know, we've got people answering questions. If you DM us or, as you said there, um, you know, our customer service is awesome. We're constantly growing to make sure that we can keep up with our customers, and that's actually where I started out um, here at Onyx. I worked in customer service for about two years before switching over to the marketing side of things, and working a lot more with our social media now and our influencers and events and so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, any questions regarding that, definitely give us a call. And, too, if you just download the app, you get a free seven-day trial, um, you know, risk-free there. So, Yeah. Oh, yeah. One other thing is, like, I've had – so one of the things I like to do is help people. Like, if they're having a real struggle and they don't have friends to talk to, like, feel free to send waypoints and information my way because I'll at least provide a second, a second opinion. And I've had a lot of people recently, not a, I shouldn't say a lot, like five or six guys who are consistently, um, they don't have anybody to talk to. They're solo hunters. Their family doesn't hunt. Like they're on their own and they're just trying to bounce ideas and figure it out. And they'll send me Onyx waypoints. And then, you know, I'll be able to just pull it up and see exactly where they are, exactly what they're doing. 
and and then I can you know somewhat give advice whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I can at least you know provide a second opinion because um, a lot of times it's that confidence because you're always like, man, should I go right or left? Should I sit in this stand or this stand? Or, you know, there's always situations in your brain that you're trying to weigh out, and just having a second opinion can really help. But uh, the other thing is how much is on X? So it does cost money after the seven-day free trial. Yeah, yeah. So after the seven-day free trial, we've got a, a couple different options. You can get a single state for a year. Um, that one runs twenty nine ninety nine, um, or all 50 states for a year, so nationwide coverage for ninety nine ninety nine. So. Basically, thirty okay. bucks or a hundred bucks, um, and yeah, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a couple people, you know, we definitely do get some people. It is an app, and they're not used to spending, you know, thirty dollars on an application. But um, you know, for me, it's one of those things where tank of gas is eighty bucks anymore, um, and I bring through <laughs> a lot of those, let alone new hunting gear every year. The, right. the amount of hundreds of dollars is pretty crazy. Spent on that stuff, yeah. licenses, and so on and so forth. So to be able to you know, know exactly where you can, you know, legally um, access public land or get permission on private, you know, just knowing that you're not um, breaking the law there is definitely worth it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, okay, well, we can spend all day on that, but let's get to the fun stuff, which is killing white bills. <laughs> all right, so yeah. start, start wherever you want. Um, you hunted white tails in did, was it? You don't have to tell me where it is, but it, it's in Montana. You hunted whitetails, yep. and uh, you were with. Was it just Jared, or were there two other people with you? Yeah, there's some other guys. So, um, you know, I like I said, I've been on the marketing side of things here at Onyx for about the last two to two and a half years, um, and our kind of our department's kind of the community department is what we refer to ourselves as. Essentially, it's me, okay. Jared, Nick, uh, Zach, and Matt Seidel. Um, okay. and you know, we're, we all are super passionate about hunting. You know, we do have quite a few people here at Onyx that, you know, are new to hunting or don't hunt themselves, um, so on and so forth, but our kind of group definitely gets out and gets after it. So, you know, this is our, was our second year of going on this hunt. Last year we did it. Um, and it's kind of typically been more, more along the lines of a meal deer hunt, just based on the, the area we usually head to in the country that we've been in. Um, but okay. last year we did it, you know, it's kind of a, a way for us to get out of the office as a as a team here and uh, go get some content and, you know, just kind of work remote for a few days and spend spend some time hunting. And so that's kind of yeah. what we did this year. We chose somewhere new, and that's kind of um, we're already planning our, our next year's deer hunt here in Montana. And we, we decided this year we're going to go somewhere completely new that, Hopefully none of us have ever been before in the state. Um, that way we can utilize, you know, scouting with the maps beforehand, um, you know, utilize the app while we're out there and not just go to a, an area that we're comfortable with and we, we know what to expect, where to go, et cetera. So um, went somewhere new this year. As you said, it was in Montana, you know, that more central eastern Montana area. Um, and, again, like I said, you know, it was it was kind of, originally planned to be somewhat of a meal deer hunt just based on, you know, we weren't really hunting river bottom. Um, I knew there would be whitetail in this country. I'm from eastern Montana, like I said, and, you know, you can't really rule out the possibility of, of whitetails up in some breaky stuff here or there. Um, but, okay. you know, headed over there to go find some mule deer. And, 
Yeah, so we, we got over there after a few hiccups, you know, running out of gas, pulling the trailer, and uh, <laughs> a few, few hiccups late night. We got over to where we were going to camp, set up uh, set up the camper, kind of looked at some maps, tried to quickly figure out a plan for, for the next morning. And so, you know, we had this hunt. This hunt was scheduled for three to four days. And then the rest of the group was going to come back to Missoula right before Thanksgiving, and I was just going to go on to eastern Montana. Um, I usually take the the last week of the season off, and uh, it's usually over Thanksgiving week that way I can go home, see family, and, and hunt here the last last week of the season. And typically, I don't get real real excited about myself trying to fill a tag and tell them, just because I know I'm going to be home for you know five to seven days get to hunt with my dad again. Um, right. It's just one of those things. You know, I, I guess, the, yeah, I'll get out and hunt, but I'm just not really really trying to fill a tag until that last week because I know I've got a lot of opportunity over there. So uh, sure. we get over, yeah, we get over there, set up camp, and uh, decide to split up the next morning. You know, Jared and I were going to go hunt one area, and then Matt, um, his, his cousin, Tim, and Nick were going to go hunt a separate area, and Zach was going to meet up with us about a day later. And uh, okay. so, you know, Jared and I are making our plan, figuring out where we we're going to go. And we picked this one spot. It was uh, on some BLM land that kind of bordered some private. And, um, you know, we picked up picked uh, bluff to hike up to right at first light, and we were going to overlook this drainage that you really couldn't glass up or see from any roads. Um, and this was okay. midweek too, so we, we didn't have a whole lot of hunting pressure. Um, but about a week and a week and a half left of, of season here in Montana. Um, but anyway, so we, we get up, you know, go go check out this new area, um, hike up there, see a few deer along the way, but nothing, you know, nothing real great. Uh, small meal deer and some does. Um, and then yeah, so we get up get up on the bluff and immediately. You know, we, we see some deer sit down and get the spotting scope on them. And it's a, a pretty decent mule deer, like three by four, but, you know, fairly heavy, probably three, four-year-old deer. And uh, just not something where we were looking at, you know, for the first day of the trip especially. But a uh, pretty cool encounter. So we sat there and, you know, just kind of watched him rut some does for a while. Um, and then I believe we, we moved it a little bit, sat down again. I started watching that buck again. And Jared was actually making some coffee. You know, we we're gonna sit up there, drink some coffee. You know, just yeah. kind of take it easy a little bit and and see what we can glass up. And uh, you yeah. know, like I said, I had didn't have very high expectations that I was going to be shooter myself. Um, you know, Jared had pretty limited time. And you know, with my trip in Eastern Montana with family, I just like I said, it wasn't wasn't big on the priority. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I had my rifle, and so we're sitting up there making coffee, and I'm looking over that mule deer, and uh, Jared looks up and, and saw this really nice buck, and right away he's like, wow, that's a that's a big white tail. Um, and then, you know, it, this buck was kind of in and out of the cedars in a little draw, and he okay. kind of, he wasn't really exposed, so Jared's like, oh, maybe it was just, you know, a decent mule deer, but regardless, that's a good deer. And, How far uh, away is he? So at this point he was about 750 yards, so a little ways out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so this buck steps out, and I got the spotting scope on him, and uh, you know it's just right away it's like you know that's a really nice white tail, but it's just kind of hard to judge. You know it's just getting light. Um, 
you know, 750 yards in the spotting scope, and he was looking right, not at us, but up in our direction. And, you know, it was one of those where it's like, man, that's that's a really nice deer, but it's just hard to tell from that angle. He's pretty narrow, um, and so I'm, like, watching him, you know, we're chatting. And at this point, Jared's, you know, packing up all of his coffee stuff, throwing it back in his pack just in case we have to make a move. Um, about that time, this buck completely turns his head, you know, to the left, and you can just see just, like, a wall of times. And right away, both him and I were like, yeah, that's that's a stud white tail, definitely. Let's go. Definitely yeah. a shooter deer. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're sitting up there, uh, decide that, you know, it's, it's a big deer for sure. It was one of those, like, no questions, you know, somebody has to try and get on that deer and, and uh, shooter for sure. So we, we checked the app, and he's right on the border at that point in time, right on the border of private and public. And, again, like I said, there's no fences up there. And we were hunting, like, a quarter-by-half-section chunk of BLM that, like, jutted out from a bigger chunk of BLM. Um, okay. Confirmed that he was on, on public, and straight away him and I went to make a move on this deer. Um, and, you know, it's one of those situations, too, that we kind of have, like, a unwritten – rule of if you spot the deer, you know, you have first opportunity at it. Um, and then yeah. if you choose not to shoot the deer, you know, whoever you're with can decide at that point, you know, if they want to take him or whatever. So we're making a play on this deer, you know, Jared's definitely shooter at this point. And uh, we get up and around, and we, well, prior to that, we, we noticed there was a couple white-tailed does to our left, probably about two, 300 yards from where we were, but, you know, quite a ways still from where that buck was. And uh, we just kind of played it like he was going to head in the same direction up that creek bottom and, you know, m- make his way toward those does. He wasn't really acting ruddy at this point in time. I think the whitetail rut was kind of, you know, I won't say over, but it was coming to an end and, and slowing up quite a bit, whereas the mule deer rut was really kind of hot and heavy. Um, so, you know, we were just like, you know, where's what's this buck going to do? He's got a probably head in the direction of those does. So we played it like that, and we made a big loop around where he couldn't see us, popped up on um, this knob, and we had, we definitely expected to pop up on this knob, you know, be able to sit down, take our time, glass him back up. Hopefully he was in range and make a shot, you know, or glass him back up and figure out how to move in closer. Because from this point, yeah. where, where that knob was to where we had originally seen him was still probably – I'd say 350 to 400 yards at least. Um, not knowing in the meantime that buck was already making his way up the creek bottom, and we played it just right. Um, but Jared was in front of me, and when we popped up over the knob uh, right away, he looked back and he's like, he's right there. Um, real close. <laughs> it seemed like he was right there, you know, right on top of us, but in hindsight he was about 200 yards. Um, but he was on a completely wide-open flat, and I think he saw – you know, we didn't really skyline ourselves, but I think he, he just knew something wasn't right. I don't know if he saw some movement or, you know, it was just a mature deer and, and knew something was up, like they tend to tend to do sometimes. Um, okay, but yeah. we're sitting there, and, and Jared typically, you know, has been shooting my rifle. Um, on last year's hunt, he used my rifle. He's kind of in between guns, and he's shooting a, a lever action thirty thirty with a scope on it. And, um, you know, he shoots that okay. thing extremely well, but... 200 is, is kind of right at the point of, you know, his his comfortable shot distance. And yeah. the buck was right there. Um, so, you know, we're sitting there. First first of all, it's, 
we're trying to make sure it's the buck and we're not going to make a mistake and shoot the wrong deer. Um, so we're sitting there, I'm trying to get the spotting scope on him. You know, I have my rifle ready. Um, just put a shell in, you know, put the safety on and kind of set it next to my pack. And, uh, I'm trying to get the spotting scope on the buck just to make sure 100% that it's the same deer. And about that time he takes off, um, running and Jared right away just turned to me and said, you know, he, he's going, grab your rifle, get on him. And so, you know, super oh, awesome okay. for, for Jared to do, you know, a, a quick turn of events here, you know, Jared spotted the buck, we're hiking up there like he's going to kill him. And he just knew at that point that I had a, a better, better chance of, you know, getting on that deer with my rifle and getting him stopped and getting a shot off than he did. Um, so he, yeah, he's like, he's going, he's going, you know, get on the rifle. And, and, uh, so I, I kind of run up the hill just a little bit, lay down with my bipod and my rifle. And I'm asking Jared the whole time, you know, how far is he? And just prior to this too, we did, we checked the app to make sure that buck was, was on public. Um, he was well within, you know, we could see that on, on BLM there. And so, you know, I'm asking Jared how far he is. Jared's ranging for me and the buck, you know, he's not, He's not completely running away, but he was moving a little bit. Um, and I think I think I tried to whistle at him to stop him or something. Long story short, he stops completely facing away. Um, and oh, like, man. It's, it's, you know, it just can't. I couldn't squeeze one in there. Um, but he shifted his shoulders. I think Jared whistled, too, to stop him. And he shifted his shoulders and kind of took one step to the left. So it was a stupid, super steep quartering away shot. Um, and I knew at that point that I was, you know, I could slip one in there and it'd be a, a clean, effective shot. Um, asked Jared how far he was, and I don't even think I would hit for him to respond before the gun crashed <laughs> off. Um, yeah, he yeah. said three, and the buck ended up being about 320 or 330. But as soon as he said three, I knew I was, you know, in the ballpark there. Um, yeah. So I squeezed off, and it was quick decision, but as he was turning his head right before I shot him, I could see... The distinct uh, feature on this buck, and it, the way I knew it was him, is his uh, fourth points on both sides are just crazy long. They're like eight and a half to nine inches on one side and seven on the other. So it was, uh, you know, oh, man. as soon yeah. as he turned and I saw that, I was like, okay, it's for sure him and shot. Um, and he didn't move. He just went right down there, uh, which was perfect because, you know, he was was getting fairly close to that private um, yeah, private border there. But, uh, oh, yeah, it was, awesome. it was a great, crazy morning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for going into a place for the first time, you know, and then you end up getting a buck within, you know, you, know, you said you were, it was pretty early morning. What time do you think the sun rose? Um, I'm trying to think. Like you know, it was probably about 7.30 or so. Um, yeah. And it was probably just shortly after 8 by the time we had that buck down. <laughs> yeah. That's all anyone can ask for, man. Yeah, yeah, especially, like I said, you know, not really expecting to, to find a deer I wanted to put my tag on or, or to do it so quickly. But, um, you know, so we sat up there, and Jared and I just kind of took in what just happened as the sun was still coming up and made a quick phone call to my dad. Um, I don't think he yeah. believed me at first because, you know, like I said, I usually wait till I go home and, and whatnot there. But, um, yeah, Jared and I kind of just gathered up our stuff and, made our way down there, um, dropped the packs and, and got up to him. And yeah, there was definitely no ground shrinkage there. Um, you know, he's exactly, exactly the yeah. buck that Jared and I thought he was when we first saw him. 
Oh, yeah, man. Is that on the Onyxes? Is that buck on the Onyxes Instagram or Facebook page? Can people find yeah, that? Or yeah, on, no, it's on the Instagram. Um, and we actually, okay. we we did a story. As I said, we compiled a bunch of photos and videos on the hunt, and we did a story of, you know, the entire trip from start to finish. So my buck's yep. the first one on there, and then uh, not and that's, to um, spoiler alert too much, but there's several other great bucks that I've <laughs> shot that are on the story. So, um, yeah, cool. anybody listening, I definitely encourage you to go check them out. For sure. And so that's in, like, the highlights, right? Yep, yep. And the same story yeah. is on the Onyx Hunt for Instagram. Okay, yeah, because the one thing I always hated about stories before they had the highlights was, like, once you post a story, it's gone forever, so you put all this effort in, and then it's just gone. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and definitely. Now, and especially the yeah, where you said, like yeah. you said there, you know, you put a bunch of effort in, and then it's just go up and gone real quick. So it is nice uh, to be able <laughs> right. to do that. And so this one, we broke it up um, kind of into three different parts, I believe. Um, so we'll have, like, part one, part two, part three. Um, yeah, like I said, there's, you know, at that point, after we filled that thing, and so we went down there and, you know, kind of just soaked it in. Jared started making coffee then, once we got down there. Uh, sun was still rising, you know, drank some coffee and took some time and just uh, kind of soaked it all in, took a bunch of photos and and uh, kind of started just taking care of the meat at that point. We were yeah. we were about a mile and a half in on public. Um, and it okay. was pretty, as I said, you know, it was, it was fairly, I won't say steep, but there was a lot of craggy stuff and a couple of views and some drainages. Um, and so we we had brought our packs in, you know, not sure how not sure how far we were gonna go. We definitely brought the packs in, and uh, we ended up just quartering that buck and uh, you know taking all the meat and throwing it in the packs and just packing them out that way because there was no roads. Um, yeah. Which you know I think I think it was Jared's first whitetail pack out. Um, you know he's he's the whitetail hunter typically, not necessarily myself. I've I've shot a handful of whitetails and. You know, when I see a good one, it definitely catches my attention and gets me real excited. But, you know, for the last few years, I've, I've filled my tag with mule deer. Um, but, yeah, it was Jared's first uh, first whitetail pack out in that kind of country. Um, and, you know, it was happened to be my, be my second. But it was, yeah, it was just a really unique, cool experience. And like I said, without, without the app, you know, A, we would never have hunted that country because there's a lot of private land around. And the, the okay. borders aren't marked at all, you know, zero fences, no markings of private public. And, yeah. you know, in Montana and many states, it's our responsibility to know where we're at. So just because it's yeah. not labeled private doesn't mean we can't, you know, go on it. It would still be our responsibility. So, you know, without the app, it's just we wouldn't have been hunting that that area um, and definitely wouldn't have known that buck was still on, on public land when he stopped. Etc. So it was just it was pretty cool, you know, to to work at a company like that, go on a, a hunt for for work like that, and be successful strictly because of the product that we work for. Yeah, no, that is that is awesome. So one thing you brought up there, and I want to kind of lead into this is how did you? So let I want to kind of start breaking down your hunt. So how did you even mm-hmm. pick that piece? Because you said. You, you mentioned a good one, which is kind of like it's jagged and surrounded by private, meaning, like, in my brain, that means it's kind of hard to get to, and you were a mile and a half back. But in Montana, like, to me, that's really not 
that far as compared to like a mm-hmm. western state where the vegetation's a ton thicker. Because if I remember right, the terrain you were hunting was kind of just like it was all, in my brain. It's kind of like shrub, like sage almost, or what kind of mm-hmm. terrain was that? Yeah, it definitely was. You know, and there were some egg fields on the private too. Um, okay. We're fairly close to a river, but uh, yeah, I mean, more or less, it's kind of broken up between rolling hills, and there are some like craggy um, draws and ravines. A lot of sagebrush country. There was some junipers in the area, um, you know, so there's okay. a little bit of cover in the draws with some junipers and whatnot. But yeah, it's yeah. you know not not what you think of when you're thinking whitetail country for sure. Um, and to answer your question there, you know, it's one of those things, there was a lot of big chunks of public land around, and, and those okay. are great. One of the reasons we kind of tried to avoid, like, the the really large chunks of public land is we figured everybody else would be hitting those, um, you know, like different out-of-staters coming in or just people who wanted to go hunt. They just see on the map a big chunk of public, and they're like, oh, let's go in here. You know, you can go forever. Um and it was right. kind of a strategy that, that we had talked about. I think Matt was the one to bring it up, you know, going into the hunt where he wanted to find the little chunks, the little slivers of public land that, you know, extended through a couple pieces of private. Because um, really, I mean, at that point, you're hunting deer that are used to lower pressure. You know, they don't know when they walk across that border of private to public. You know, there's no fences. It's just we thought we'd find – better quality deer in little pockets of public like that than we would in, like, a, a big, vast, you know, 10-mile by 10-mile chunk of public. Sure. Okay. No, that yeah. makes that makes a lot of sense because me, I mean, when I go, I've been out west for two elk hunts, three elk hunts, and uh, I'm looking for the biggest piece that I can get to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And a lot of times I am, too, you know. It, it makes sense for some, for some reasons it makes sense. Um, but just for this area, you know, it's we were more looking for quality than, you know, we'll be able to go into an area and see, you know, as far as the eye can see, we'll be public. We were just like, where are, you know, it's a little bit later season, the rest still going, but it's not, you know, crazy hot and heavy. Where's the best chance where we're going to find quality deer? Um, and at that point, I personally feel, and I know everybody else did too, like those bucks have been pressured a little bit. You know, we've there's been three weeks of rifle season. Um, I don't think archery hunting is super popular in the area, but three weeks of rifle season, at least in the area, you know, those bucks have been hunted if they're on public. So they're either going to push over to private um, or just live in some nasty public. And we just kind of started with the, the, you know, mindset of looking for areas that border private and uh, it seemed to pay off for the, the entire trip. Yeah. No, that's awesome. When I was I was on a elk hunt in uh, I went from August fifth to the, like the tenth or the twelfth in uh, Idaho. Actually, they have a super early season there, and I was having a real hard time. And I was at and I messaged Jared. I said, "What would you do?" And he said, "Hug that border because that's." I mean, we were seeing elk on the private, but we could only it's a cow tag only. And we could only find there were two bulls that we saw over and over again on the public, but that was it. And so we couldn't find any cows. All the cows were on the on the private in the egg field. And when we talked to the townspeople there as well, they were like, "Yeah, they're probably in the egg field laying in the corn." And so we're like, "All right, well, I guess we're hugging." And the only opportunity we had was right there on the edge of 
public and private. And, you know, like common Wisconsin folk, we botched it real hard. Um, it was <laughs> three buddies. But, uh, uh, but, I mean, at least we had the opportunity right there, you know. So uh, yeah, I, for I, sure. I, I totally agree with that public land, private land, border, you know, that border game of cat and mouse. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, each, each hunt is unique and kind of what you're looking to get out of it, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it can be very frustrating sometimes. Um, you know, if really that buck had no reason to be on the public versus the private, and, you know, as we got on him, and luck, luckily he was still on public and we got a shot off, but that buck within, you know, a minute to two minutes was going to be on private. Who knows how far he was going to go. If he would have came back through the public, it's a lot of like, you know, you have to be there at the right, right time, yeah. and just want to get lucky with them crossing through the public. You know, sometimes they will bet up on it, um, but it, you know, it can be frustrating sometimes. If that deer was another, you know, 150 yards, he would have been on private, and we would not have had a play because he was going the opposite direction. So, essentially, right. we would have found a really nice deer that we wanted to hunt, but we just couldn't. We would have just had to sit there and watch him. Um, so it can be frustrating, but, you know, sometimes it just works out and definitely for our situation, it just, just worked out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so if you didn't, or what, what did you guys do? What was the game plan? Cause you killed right away, obviously, but what did you guys, mm-hmm. you know, did you guys just glass all day or how did you find, you know, you mentioned that there's a lot more bucks on that highlight reel on Instagram. Uh, but how did you guys go about hunting them? Like, what was the strategy? You know, the strategy at first, and it kind of played out this way the entire hunt, but um, the strategy at first was to get off the road, you know, hike to areas where you can't see or hunt them from the roads. Um, you know, there's there's a lot. You can glass and you can, you can hunt a lot of the country from roads. Um, and unfortunately, okay. there's quite a few roads out in the area that we were. So, you know, there's there's some, like, different folks that were out there glassing from the pickups. You know, occasionally you can get lucky um, that way and turn up a really nice buck that just happens to show himself or, you know, be next to a road when, you, when you're looking. But our game plan was um, to get to area on public that you can't see from roads. Um, you know, like I said, with the white tail that I ended up getting, you know, he was, he was fairly close to a road. We had a mile and a half walk up over a bluff with that bluff restricted your view of, you know, the drainage over it. So that was kind right. of our strategy, and, and you know, we kind of just played it out. Some of the evenings we'd sit up on a high point and just sit in glass for hours, um, you know, whereas other parts of the day we were just throwing the packs and the rifle and just, uh, you know, hike some miles out and see what we can see. It just kind of depended. Sure. So then, you know, your kind of your main strategy – then is find those areas you can't see from the road. But then once you get there, just have a seat in glass and just hang out for a couple hours? Or what's that What's that like? Yep, ex- exactly. So, you know, we would sit okay. in the morning that we shot my buck. Um, you know, I expected to sit up there in glass for better part of the morning, you know, three, four hours just to see what was moving around, hopefully catch a buck bedded up um, that we had to play on. But just kind of sit down and and, you know, spend some time behind the glass and get comfortable and, you know, not really rush anything. And then midday more is where we were kind of hiking around trying to make stuff happen. Um, you know, we busted a few deer out of their beds, and sometimes that's just how it happens. And, you know, a lot of the times with mule deer, 
if you are hiking and kind of busting deer out of a drainage, if you sit down and get ready, a lot of the times they're going to stop. So, um, you know, midday uh, was more of like the hiking yeah. around and, and seeing what we could do. Um, whereas like the mornings and evenings, it was get to a spot and get comfortable and sit down and spend some time behind the glass. Yeah. All right. No, that makes sense. And then once you find them, figure out if they're on public or private, whether or not you want to try to hunt them and then make a move based on just spot and stalk. Exactly. At that point, it was, you know, it's completely spot and stock. Um, you know, every every one of the deer that we had shot was definitely a spot and stock. You know, none of them were were rushed, you know, like I said, once in a while, especially with male deer, you'll, you'll jump some and, you know, sit down and get ready and a buck will jump out. And you're like, man, that's a nice deer and take him. Um, all of our deer were spot and stock. So we had seen them, you know, from quite a long ways away and figured out the best route to get over to them, you know, see if they're moving around if they're chasing does um once in a while we'd leave somebody back you know we did a hunt with i think it was the next day um you know zach was with us then and we we had seen a pretty nice buck and actually left jared up on the hill with a spotting scope to keep an eye on him and kind of just direct us by hand you know what that deer was doing and zach and i dropped down in um you know because we'd lose sight of him for sometimes an hour um and okay. so we'd leave somebody up and kind of direct us by hand, you know, um, let us know if that buck was even still in the area, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, it was it was all spot and stock. Got it. So then when you're going out there and you're glassing them up, backing up just a little bit, are you mentioned the spotting scope. Are there times where you're not using a spotting scope and using binos or vice versa, like where you're like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, use my binos today? Or I don't yeah, have I mean, a spotter, so that's why I'm curious about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's personal preference. For me, the spotting scope really comes into play once I've found animals. Um, okay. You know, I'm not, personally, I don't really use a spotting scope ever to try and find animals. Um, but the second that I do find a group of deer, sometimes, you know, we're glassing up deer a mile and a half, two miles away. Um, you know, just where it's like, well, there's, there's a couple deer over there moving, and I can tell they're deer, but I have no idea what they are. Especially in that country, you know, it's not mountainous, but it's, you know, there's some ups and downs, and you're going to burn quite a bit of energy and time, you know, covering a couple miles. So basically what I would do, um, you know, sit down, and I like to put my my, uh, binos on a tripod. It just, for me, it it just stabilizes everything. I can see so much more movement. Um, It really just kind of makes you slow down and pick apart areas when I'm trying to turn up deer. So. You know, we'd sit down, I'd probably glass areas close to me first without a tripod, and then, you know, if nothing's real close or I don't see anything real close, I'll pull out a tripod, throw the binos behind it, and spend some time, you know, trying to pick apart some country. Um, At which point, like I said, you know, if you see deer, then I'm immediately switching over to the spotting scope to A, see if it's a buck, and B, see how how big of a buck it is. Um, Right. You know, it saves a lot of miles because especially if you're – being a little picky or you're looking for a certain deer, you know, a mature deer, um, you know, you can tell from a mile away that a buck might be bedded up there, but without a, a good spotting scope, you could be, you know, making a big two-mile loop stock and then get over there, and it's not the type of buck you want to shoot, and you just wasted all that time. So, you know, I'm finding them with the binos yeah. and then throw the spotting right. scope on and trying to get a good judge of, hey, does, you know, does anybody here want to go after that deer? Yeah, so it's kind of, in my brain, I would call it uh the finder is the binos, and the decision maker is the spotter. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's how I think. Too, 
you know, for elk hunting out here, I never carry a spotting scope because, you know, especially with, with archery elk, I'm still at the point where if I call in a legal bull and I'm on public, I'm more than likely going to take advantage of that opportunity. So, you know, I don't need yeah. the extra weight of a spotting scope in my pack to tell me if it's a, you know, a five-point bull or, or a big six-point because either way I'm going to go after that elk. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. just, just kind of different, you know, whereas deer I'm definitely looking for, you know, we were all looking for a mature deer, um, and that's where the spotting scope really came into play. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So if I were someone, and, I, and I'm very intrigued with this, I like, I spot and stalk turkeys in the spring, and I've tried to do it with whitetails a lot in Wisconsin, and it's it's really not all that conducive. Sometimes you can get it to work, but just too mm-hmm. much vegetation, too much noise. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of times the deer, if they're out in the fields, they're already running and they're taking off, you know. So, yeah, anyway, yeah. I really like spot and stalk. And if I were to go out there and hunt, um, I can, you know, I can get my binos, I can get my gun sighted in and, and get all that squared away. What about, like, sleeping arrangements? Can you camp right on the piece of public, or how does that work? Yeah, definitely. Um, you you for sure can. There's There are some certain limitations, I think, with state, whereas, you know, you'd want to look up prior just to make sure. But, you know, National Forest, um, BLM, you know, most of the state pieces you can camp right on. Um, but, yeah, and that's, you know, this time we pulled over a camper and we stayed out of that. Typically, you know, we're in tents last year. When we did the same hunt, um, we we slept in a tent, had a cook tent. It got down to like I think it was in the zero um, or the single digit, so it was it was really <laughs> chilly last year. Got a little bit of tent at zero degrees, um, so that's why we <laughs> opted to bring the camper this time. But uh, yeah, I mean you can camp right on public land and and you know just go from there. Okay, so uh, first thing, um, BLM is not a common word. Out in the Midwest, that's a Bureau of Land Management for anybody wondering that. The other yep. thing that you mentioned was, you know, sometimes you put your tag on a mule deer, sometimes you put it on a whitetail. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in Montana, you buy a deer license, and that deer is good for a mule deer or a whitetail. They kind of lump them together. Yep. Is that so true? We call it an a, exactly. We call it an A-tag. Um, essentially, okay. your A-tag in Montana is for either either sex, so you can shoot a buck or a doe. Um, for the general units. You know, we've got a few draw units for mule deer, um, you know, where you have to put in and draw that tag to be able to hunt that unit. Um, but yeah. for the vast majority is, is the general tag. You, you purchase that A tag, as I said, white pill or a mule deer, buck or a doe. So typically, okay. you know, with my A tag, I'm definitely looking for a buck. Um, yeah. And then because you can buy supplement B tags, which are doe tags in Montana. Um, but yeah, gotcha. you can kill our meal deer in most units. And, um, you know, like I said, growing up, you know, I've shot probably, I've definitely shot the majority meal deer. Um, but a lot of the country that I hunt over there, you know, you're seeing maybe not 50 50, but you're seeing, you know, 30 to 40% of the deer you're seeing are whitetails. Um, in some areas, okay. much more. So it's just one of those. I'm, I'm kind of not really limiting myself to a whitetail or a mule deer, um, you know, it's just I'm looking for a mature deer, and when I see a big whitetail, I definitely get excited and go after it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so I just looked this up, too. The, a non-resident tag is roughly 550 bucks for that deer combo license. Mm-hmm. That's, 
what I found right away. So if anyone's wondering, um, that's what it is. And then, so my last question, I know you got to get off here and get to some other meeting, but uh, what's, give me some advice for, like, pretend I'm coming out there for the first time. What kind of advice are you going to give me? What's your top two or three things? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, first and foremost, look at the maps. I One of the nice things about Onyx, shameless plug here, um, is, uh, <laughs> you know, you can pull it up on a computer and scout the area ahead of time. So if you're, if you've never been to Montana, don't know what the terrain's like, don't know what to expect, you know, Onyx is an excellent tool to be able to, you know, spend some time in front of and figure out what area of the states you want to go. Um, you know, you can pull up bunch of different resources, figure out generally what area you want to go. I mean, for whitetail, you know, central to eastern Montana is great. There's quite a few whitetails in the western end of the state, too. Some really great bucks, but, you know, you're kind of hunting mountain deer at that point. Um, but anyways, you know, using the tool like on X, you can mark waypoints for where you want to camp, mark waypoints for different areas you want to check out right on your computer while you're at home, um, and all that stuff transfers right to your phone. So, Definitely utilizing that, you know, to get a lay of the land and the topography and just kind of what what you're going to be doing. That way, when you finally get out here on the hunt, you know, you don't spend the first two to three days scouting areas that you want to go into. You know, you've already got, like, a plan A, B, and C um, that you can just go and, and start hunting on the very first morning, you know, like we did for, for right. our hunt. You know, we weren't driving around trying yeah. to figure out where we were going to hike the first morning. We were parked and, you know, backpacks on, already hiking at first light just to, uh, you know, you only get so many days, especially when you're coming from out of state and spending that money, as you said, 550 bucks plus all your gas and travel expenses, you know, you don't want to spend a part of your trip scouting. Um, right. So, yeah, yeah that would be the biggest. Exactly. That would be the biggest one. Um, and then, you know, if you're doing a rifle hunt, I would definitely um, – you know, I would pick up a spotting scope if you don't have one, um, and then just, you know, honing in on your, your glassing skills and being patient and trying to pick a park country because a lot of the time in that country, you know, you'll sit up on a bluff and, and look for half an hour and be like, man, I don't, there's no deer here. If you wait another two hours and be patient and just really pick apart the hillside, you might, you know, find 30 deer that are, that are bedded in a few different draws. Um, so it's a lot of, uh, a lot of patience behind the glass for sure. Okay. No, that's, yeah, that's something that I've always struggled with is just, like, patience behind the glass. Like, you get up there, you take a look, and you're, like, you scan everything. You're there for 15, 20 minutes. You feel like you've looked at everything you can, and then you're, like, all right, there's nothing here. Let's move on. You know, I need to cover ground. But, you know, you're saying and just, you know, be patient. Be patient. Hang yeah. On. Yep, exactly. Okay. And, you know, I've been there before. I've, I've overlooked some stuff and glassed it and felt like there was nothing in the area and, it moved on, and sometimes, you know, it works to cover country by foot. Um, but generally, you know, I would say spending time behind the glass in a few hours and, you know, stuff's going to get up and move. And it's it was hard for me to, to learn that right away, but after being successful a few times, just, just sitting there for that extra couple hours and, um, you know, just seeing how much extra game I was seeing in those, you know, sitting there and being patient, it was kind of an eye-opener and, and really just kind of makes you slow down and, and uh, just take it all in and be patient. Sure. Okay. Makes sense. All right. Awesome. Really appreciate you joining on, Dylan. And uh, if you guys have any questions or anything, uh, Onyx, you know, you got your website, you got your Instagram, you got Facebook. 
kind of phone calls. You can even call you guys. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we got that free trial as we talked about there. And, and as you said, you know, the, uh, the stories are saved in the highlights on Onyx Hunt for Instagram. Um, definitely let us know if anybody has any questions. Okay. And also, for anyone listening, Dylan told me he'd give you exact waypoints for where he was <laughs> your first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see about that one. <laughs> All right, man, appreciate yeah. it, and uh, have a good rest of your day. Catch you later. Awesome. Thank you very much.